What's up, Titus? Well, I reckon y'all want to go listen to that podcast now, and that's okay. Just remember the songs your mama told you not to listen to. <laughs> Shut up, Titus. Anyway, don't let those city folk talk you into liking obscure rock and roll or fake Americana. That's just good old country ripoffs, okay? Go on now, get. Welcome oh to the Deep goodness. South. <laughs> oh dear. Welcome to the Underplayed Podcast. Oh, the only drama at the beginning of every episode. Sorry. Oh. You were saying? O- I don't even know. The only podcast where we break down songs that need more airtime or something like that. Yeah. It's only like, what, the ninth episode and we're already How's it really go? Uh, breaking down songs that deserve that more, more airtime. airtime. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there we'll we go. We'll learn our own... Our own We'll learn Model. it by the hundredth episode, I think. Sorry, I just clipped. All right. Well, here we are with two more beautiful songs for all of you. Goody. Two more beautiful songs. We decided this yesterday. Contrary to what you may think, Tracy's here. I'm here. Oh, well, I you laughed haven't said in the much. beginning. Oh, you that, know, that's yeah, true. Yeah, she's everybody's like, okay, cool. She's yeah, there. I'm she's here. there. Yeah. We have two. You'll know who these people are for sure, but you might not know the songs that are recorded, which is why they are on the Underplayed podcast. That is actually 100% correct. So, you know, we have two plays that we do here on the Underplayed. Uh Number one is songs by artists that uh, we feel have not gotten enough attention. And number two is songs by popular artists that everybody knows, but they're more like B-sides. Both of the songs are the latter. Well-known artists. For sure. Not well-known songs. Mm-hmm. In fact, our first artist is the Carpenters, and we like to, you know, for the younger listeners and uh, just those who may not know, we're going to go a little bit into the Carpenters, and then we'll explain why we chose this song. The Carpenters were a brother-sister duo consisting of Richard and Karen Carpenter. They rose to fame in the 1970s with their smooth and melodic pop sound, characterized by Karen's distinctive and angelic voice and Richard's sophisticated arrangements. They had a string of hit songs including Close to You, We've Only Just Begun, and Rainy Days and Mondays. Karen was a talented drummer and Richard played the piano, bass, and guitar. The two of them wrote many of their own songs and were known for their meticulous attention to detail and perfectionism in the studio. Tragically, Karen died at the age of 32 due to complications from an eating disorder. Despite her untimely death, the Carpenters' music has endured and continues to be beloved by fans around the world. A little bit about the Carpenters for all of y'all. So it's another sad story. We had kind of a sad story last episode with Jeff Buckley. Well, yeah. We're back with Karen Carpenter. Um, but this she, one breaks my heart. Her voice. Mm. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it, there's yeah. a documentary on her that's pretty good. Well, there's a couple of them. But yeah, there, yeah there's I don't a, know which one I'm talking about then. But. Uh, I think it was a, a newer one. Probably. Yeah. So the name of the song that we're going to start with today is called Now. Now. Mm-hmm. She recorded now, Karen Carpenter recorded now for the album Voice of the Heart in April 1982 while taking a break from some medical treatment in New York City when she was visiting California. She recorded the song in one take. One take, y'all. Like Celine Dion. It was on Voice of the Heart. It was the duo's 11th studio album released in 1983 after Karen's passing. The album features two songs from her final recording sessions now 
and You're Enough, as well as some previously unreleased tracks. The tracks were finished by Richard, her brother, months after Karen's death. The big deal about this song is this is the very last song she ever recorded, and it's beautiful. And and sadly, as we said, it was released after she died. So as we're about to listen to this, I will just say from a personal standpoint, I know I've said a couple times, you know, oh, in my top five, whatever, okay? Oh, gosh, this happens Karen, every no, episode, no, no, Tracy. Right, right. No, I know. Karen Carpenter is my top one. Wow. Yeah. I grew up listening to her. There's only one other artist that is ever that is in the same realm for me with her. And Who? well, I grew up with Karen Carpenter and Amy Grant. Amy Grant. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. Are, yeah, those that are makes my sense. two. That makes sense. But Karen Carpenter is it for me. And me and Keaton believe Tracy hates it when we say it, but <laughs> just say it. She Tracy can sing. She can do a pretty mean Karen Carpenter. Her voice has some of those qualities. Right. I have a very low alto voice. I mean, it's significantly low like hers. Yeah. yeah. Why do birds? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> All right, let's hear. This is now by the Carpenters again, Karen's very last recorded song. So as we're listening to this intro, intro, I just want to say, you know, this was recorded in 1982. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, when it rains, I don't feel cold. There's no harm in thunder if you are there And now, now when you touch my feelings fly Now when I'm smiling I know why You light up my world like the morning sun You're so deep within Just beautiful. Mm. I love the key change, the all of it. Yeah. I was always afraid of There's the harmonies. All that big background, all that orchestration that they're very known for. This yep. is their style. The odd thing about it is this is a style from when they started, like in the 70s. And you can kind of tell, here it is, 1982, and they didn't really keep up with the times. And that was a lot due to their father.
one take, y'all. She recorded it in one take. And more than likely, she's the drummer, too. resolution so if you didn't like appreciate the carpenters in their heyday you might not appreciate this song the way we do i love everything about their style it's melodic and orchestrated and so i love everything about that but it's not everybody's cup of tea and i get that i know that but this song is very much as i said a moment ago very much in their original style it was written by dean pitchford and roger nichols and i looked these guys up and Y'all, these guys, crazy, amazing. Roger Nichols um, was hired by A&M Publishing, which is who the album was published by. He was a staff songwriter for A&M. And with Paul Williams, he wrote We've Only Just Begun, which was their huge breakout hit. And then the other guy that helped him write this was Dean Pitchford. You guys, listen to this. Dean Pitchford won an Oscar, a Golden Globe, a nominated for additional Oscars, two more Golden Globes, Eight Grammys, two Tonys. He co-wrote. Wait a minute, (laughs) it it gets better. He co-wrote the song "Fame." Nice. And two other songs for that movie. He wrote songs with and or for Dolly Parton, Kenny Loggins, Steve Perry, Whitney Houston, what, and many others. That's Um, a resume. And here's a wait a minute. Wait a here's here's a thing. He wrote the screenplay for Footloose and co-wrote nine (laughs) songs. This guy he just did is, everything. Yeah, he's he kicks it. So um, he and Roger Nichols they wrote this song. Obviously, they wrote it for the Carpenters for the style of music that they wanted to continue to put out. But the thing about that is it's kind of a sad story. So if you know anything about Kara Carpenter's story, it's very sad. She was immensely talented, her and her brother. Actually, her brother was the one who wanted to be the singer, performer. He wrote songs. He arranged songs mostly. And he got he was getting turned down a lot. But he had a sister there, uh, Karen, playing drums. And uh, in one of the recording sessions, they were saying, you know, sorry, no. And You're he's bad. like, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. My sister can sing. Really, really, my sister can sing. And he's like, what? You know, my sister can sing, let her. And they played a song, and she sang, and they went, holy cow. So that's how they got their first contract, recording contract. Yep. But when they started performing in public, somebody mentioned in some article that she was chubby, and she read it, and it developed into a very severe eating disorder. She had uh, anorexia, struggled with that her entire life until she passed away from uh, heart complications from that. The other sad part of that is their father was very controlling of all of their performances and the kind of music that they put out. He wanted it to have a certain sound and have a wholesome, like, family sound. That's what he wanted. 
When Karen's brother was getting some rehab, he had an addiction, she recorded an album. And I think it was like 1979, something like that, 78, 79. And it was like a 80s pop album. It was like a disco album. Oh, wow. Is, is that out there? Can you get it? You can now. But get this. It took a very long time to get it released. In fact, A&M just said no. She recorded the whole album, like 20 songs. And Wait, the, once label, it was the label said the, no? The label said no after they recorded it. They didn't like it. It was a solo album. It was disco. Her parents were furious. And so, uh uh-huh. You recorded a disco album? Well. Heathen. Yeah. And (laughs) so they didn't publish it. It didn't get published till the 90s. Sometime the mid-90s, like 93 or something like that. Um, Like way after she died too, right? Way after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, way after. Finally, somebody got a hold of it at A&M and started leaking it. That's nice. Yeah, right. And so they finally, I think it was a, maybe Quincy Jones or somebody, somebody got a hold of it and said, we need to actually finish it. And so they, they did finally mix it, put it out there, and she's got it out there. All that to say, she wanted to move forward with the times, but she was very contained. And this mm. album is that. That happens a lot, actually, to, to artists. Yeah. yeah. Why did she stay so contained? Was it her father that was like, did he have like some type of control? Like, was he like, was like her manager emotional... or something like no, that? Or was it no, like, family. so was it like legally binding or anything no, like that? No, it was family. Oh, so it's just like pressure. Pressure. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, in the documentary I saw, at least in that documentary, they portrayed it as her brother also kind of wanted that same style. It was kind of both of them pushing for that, you know, real family wholesome style. Ah, yeah. So, you know, that's why you see these guys, Pitchford and Nichols, who wrote things like a year later, like fame and footloose, you know, but they're writing this style of song. Right. Which sounds very much like their original stuff back in the early 70s. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All of that doesn't take away from the fact that the song is beautiful, her voice is beautiful, the arrangement is gorgeous. It's a worthy song. Mm. The album is pretty good. And so if you like that style at all, give it a listen. Yeah. Or if you like the Carpenters, any style. If you like the Carpenters at all, it's crazy because I grew up with the Carpenters and only learned about this within the last year. I had a thought. Yeah. When you were telling your story about Karen, I thought of in some ways very similar and in some ways complete opposites, Phineas and Billie Eilish. Oh yeah, you're right. Duo, one that sings, one that produces, both of them being brother and sister. You know what's funny about that? They both had the same problem in the media. Uh Um, Back in the 70s, the media liked to publish that there was like a romantic relationship between uh, Karen and her brother. They kept saying that the songs were about them. It wasn't even written by them because he arranged it. But he didn't write them. But people would publish that and talk about that all the time. The same thing with the, yep, same thing with, you know, Billie Eilish and her brother. So, That's yeah. crazy. It's stupid. Yeah. Sorry. But, you know, they were it's tight. Fun. You know, Karen and yes. um, her brother Richard. were tight. And Phineas and Billy. Billy are obviously tight. I don't know. It just made me think about it. You know, there is definitely a parallel there. Yeah, and there's sure, definitely yeah. a lot that isn't similar there. Well, Trace, do you know what this song's about? It's just a love song. It's just a sweet love song, like 
now that I found you, everything is good. Now that I found you, I'm okay. That's yeah. there was a line I heard something about rain and cold. Now, like I'm not cold anymore. Even That's the first I'm line. The, the the first line is now when it rains, I don't feel cold. That's the first line. The winds might blow through me, but I don't care. There's no harm in thunder if you're there. I'm okay. You must not really be in love, Tracy. Because I don't like rain. Because you still don't like rain. I don't yeah. like rain. I don't like the actual feel of she rain. She melts. Sorry. Yes, she melts. That's a pet peeve. It's okay. But we digress. Yes, often. <laughs> and well. Yeah, but this is just a sweet love song. I never really knew love until now. I would say me and about half the listeners have this morbid curiosity. And I can't remember. I saw the documentary. Mm-hmm. I can't, and, they, and they don't go into it, I don't think. When she recorded this being her last song, right? did she know? Was she ill at that mm-hmm. time? or She was ill on and off. So the movie that I watched actually went into it in great detail. They talked about the different doctors that she went to. She had a doctor that, like, she went into rehab for her anorexia, or maybe it's not called rehab for anorexia, but she had a doctor. He said he cured her. That was his big, like, claim to fame was that he cured her of her anorexia. However, she actually died of a heart attack because Mm. of the toll that the anorexia took on her body. Gotcha. And that's the story that they put out there, mostly because he wanted that put out there because he wanted to hold on to the story that he cured her. You know, the movie was iffy about it. They were like, yeah, but, you know, she was still struggling. You don't really get cured of anorexia. Who knows the truth and all of that? But that's the story. That's real sad. Yeah, she fought it for many, many years. And full circle, Mm -hmm. the dude who wrote that, why did he have to call her chubby? I bet they feel terrible. Clearly, he didn't know what it was going to cause. But like at the same time, how could you not know that that's hurtful? Right. And why would you publish it? That's the kind of thing that we know now how damaging our words are. Yes, we know that now. And so we don't say things like that now that people used to say. There's a lot of things now that we don't say anymore because we know better. And that's one of them. You just can't talk about that and think that it's not hurtful. Right. Yeah. End of the day, we lost probably the most beautiful female Mm. voice I have ever heard. Now, now when it rains, I don't feel cold Now that I have your hand to hold The winds might blow through me, but I don't care There's no harm in thunder if you are there we talked last episode about how Jeff Buckley's voice just sort of seems to fall out of his mouth when he opens his mouth. And it's just, it's it's making it effortless, which is the sign of any really, really good artist, you know. But her voice just, oh. Yeah, what's your analogy? Beautiful. What do you always call it? Uh, like butter dripping off a hot biscuit. Thank That's you. It. Yes, that. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> That's um, what she sounds like. It is a similarity that she has that Jeff Buckley has, and that is that incredible, natural breath support that they have. Is that what makes it sound effortless? I'm sorry to interrupt, but is that, because that seems to be like something that comes up a lot on this podcast. And we specifically like to highlight artists with amazing Mm -hmm. voices. Mm -hmm. So breath control is part of the equation of, of... There's the tone. So some people have a beautiful, natural, rich, 
easy sounding tone. Okay. Hmm. And then some people have to work at their tone. But breath support is something you can build. You can practice lots of exercises and stuff like that. The diaphragm. Um, Yep. There it is. I would say, in my opinion, which is not professional, these are two examples of people who have that naturally. Karen Carpenter, you couldn't hear it in that particular section, but she will carry out phrases across a couple of lines like it's nothing. Does she do it in this song? She does, sort of in the middle. Yeah, so that's the Karen Carpenter sound. Rich, full, flawless. Smooth. smooth silky. Yeah, all buttery. those things. Yeah. We're talking about her, but you cannot forget that in their biggest moments, their arrangements were gorgeous. Yeah, it reminds me of the Chicago episode, actually, when yes. we were talking about how they could just bring in the strings and it sounds really good every time. Yes. Okay, so when it comes to those like arrangements, especially like back in the 70s and 80s, you actually had to like hire orchestras. Sure. To you do had it. to and bring in an players, orchestra. Exactly, and because, because, you know, nowadays we have digital instruments and VSTs, plugins and everything right. where you can simulate that by, you know, and it's right. just like, you know. Yep. I always think about that when I hear older songs that have like a beautiful orchestra in the background because you actually had to like hire them. It's just like you did and yeah. mix it in. Right. Exactly. Like mixing on tape. Like oh, something like that is very difficult. I was thinking about like if you're a small emerging band in like the 70s or 80s, I wonder if it was hard to find an orchestra. Well, they had the backing of their their, their label. Yeah, their yeah. Label. yeah. Yeah. So they, they weren't hurting for resources. No. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. They were willing to pour in money to that duo True, because yeah. they were crazy good. Uh, it's unfortunate it's not like that nowadays. Yeah, but I'm just going to give you just a little tiny foreshadowing. You ready? Let's Uh-oh. go. Our next song has live orchestration. Ooh, like yes, real, like real, real live violinists. Nice. And real cellos. And violinists. Real, yeah, yeah, those kind of things. So our next song is by an artist named Eddie Vedder. You guys know him from Pearl Jam. In case you don't know who Eddie Vedder is, or in case you just want to hear a little bit about Eddie Vedder, here's a little bit about Eddie Vedder. Eddie Vedder is an American musician, singer, and songwriter who was born on December 23, 1964 in Evanston, Illinois. He is best known as the lead vocalist and one of the founding members of the legendary rock band Pearl Jam. Vetter was actually working as a security guard in San Diego when he was discovered by the band's original members who had just lost their lead singer. After joining Pearl Jam in 1990, Vetter quickly became known for his unique voice, intense stage presence, and socially conscious lyrics. Pearl Jam's debut album, 10, which features Vetter's powerful vocals, has sold over 13 million copies and is widely regarded as one of the greatest rock albums of all time. Since then, Vetter has continued to release music with Pearl Jam and has also released several solo albums. He's known for his ability to write deeply personal and reflective lyrics, as well as his commitment to social activism. Better has been recognized for his contribution to music with several awards, including induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017 as a member of Pearl Jam. Overall, Eddie Vedder is considered to be one of the most influential figures in the grunge and alternative rock scene of the 1990s, and his impact on the music and culture continues to be felt today. 
Man, I'm excited. I love Eddie Vedder. I love his voice. You know, I remember it was all the 90s. It was all screaming high voices, you know, Skid Row and the heavier bands that were in popular music at the time. And then Pearl Jam came out and they were the first ones that had a guy with a low voice. You know, in a lot of circles, it wasn't like super well received. He was kind of made fun of. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all you can sing, fool. He's still releasing albums, and he still sounds great. That's what I love. Yeah, he does. His latest album sounds just like Eddie Vedder. I mean, it sounds like Pearl Jam. Yeah. I knew Pearl Jam. I knew their songs, but I didn't know any of his solo stuff until Tim introduced me to all of it. I know. So this is the song that we chose. You know, like, why did we choose it? Help me out here, guys. It's a great song by Eddie Vedder that people don't know. That's why. Right then. It's classic Eddie Vedder. That yes. to me, I mean, that sounds like Pearl Jam. Yes. Most of this was recorded with one of the former Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarists, uh, Josh, and then Chad. Everybody knows Chad, the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and a couple session musicians. So, like, it's not Pearl Jam, and I think uh, that's important because it sounds so much like Pearl Jam. Thus, sort of, kind of proving that. Well, Eddie, he wrote a lot of their songs. He wrote this song, I mean, he's so the it's going to have his sound. Yeah. You know. Yeah, of course. Great song. Let's carry on. that song yeah 
That's an intense ending. Kind of reminds me of like the end of Better Man. Like Better Man starts slow, mm. gets mm-hmm. a little faster, mm-hmm. goes slow, but by the end he's he's grinding. The mix is what makes yeah. that feel so impactful. And like, that guitar part. Like it's so overcompressed, but it's it's done in such a artistic way, if that makes sense. Right. This was recorded for the album Earthling that was published in like 2022. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Thinking about that, it had to have been being recorded during COVID. That's true. Probably, yeah. yeah. Weren't people like not being able to, you know, get together in a recording studio? Yeah, um, but that wasn't slowing people down, really. I remember hearing an interview with Bonnie Raitt where she was like, it was hard, but, you know, we sent tracks back and forth until we had the album done. You know, people who had to be in the studio together were getting tested every single day. Just like any other business, I think it was just a lot of overhead that just made it a little more sucky, kind of. Yeah, I actually learned a lot about the album. Because it was okay. really interesting. Earthling recorded during COVID. Okay. He got some help. So on the uh, song Mr. Mills on that album, he has Ringo Starr playing the drums. Uh, oh, my God. That's nice. Just on that song. Yeah. On the 10th track, the song is called Try. Okay. He has Stevie Wonder. <gasps> playing harmonica what it's a lot of harmonica that's cool it's really a cool song it's a lot of harmonica he's all over the place i didn't see that coming it was fantastic stevie wonder yeah you missed the joke i didn't see that coming uh, <laughs> oh geez that's <laughs> terrible where's my see it? <laughs> it's never open i hurt it didn't play too late <laughs> Yeah. That's for my okay, production keep, skills. Right. <laughs> keep going. The 11th track on that album, the song is called Picture. Mm-hmm. It features Elton John. Oh, nice. Yeah, singing wow. with him, playing the piano. I listened to most of the songs on the album. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. I, I wanted to get a feel for the album because the song is kind of a like a sad story to it. Most of the other songs are kind of like happy-go-lucky pick-me-up songs, especially the song with Elton John. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sunshiny song. And, you know, the album only got mediocre reviews. And I think it's because of that. People want to be sad. I don't know. But this song really stood out to me on the album. Yeah, same here. So the song is called Brother the Cloud. The lyrics, it says, I had a brother, but my brother is gone. And he says, if I could wish, wish it away, bleed on my knees and pray, I'd give it all all that I have to bring him back. It's a lament about people that he's lost. And yes, it is about his friend, Chris Cornell. Also, though, in 2019, he lost his brother in a rock climbing accident. Oh. And then on top of all that, a concert in 2020, Vetter told the crowd that he wrote the song about more than just them. There was a person he knew who lost his daughter in the Sandy Hook elementary shooting. Oh, And that father, hold on, it gets worse. The father was a friend of his, but the father died of suicide. Um, Yeah, really, really. And so he lost a string of people. And this song is him trying to come to terms and and put that out. Yeah, like get that kind of catharsis out there saying i've lost this people and it's hard for the listeners tracy Mm -hmm. is the great song decoder 
she can do it with a TV show as well or a movie. <laughs> but anyway, this is why I'm always asking her, what's the song about? What does he get resolution in the lyrics? Does he come to any great revelations or anything like that? I don't think so. One of the lines is really good. It says, there's no previous reference for this level of pain. Oh. I can't feign indifference. I can't look away. And here it is. It says, the years they go by, the hurt I still hide. If I look okay, Man. it's just on the outside. I mean, Dang. it's a struggle. It's a struggle. That is a struggle. You yeah. know, if anybody who's lost close loved ones knows, they say time heals all wounds. It, it doesn't necessarily, right. you know, it, it's painful. And you can hear that in this song. I love his line. If I could give all that I have to bring back yesterday. Yeah. That's a real feeling there. That is a real universal feeling. Yeah. And because of all of that, that's what comes out at the end, that kind of super dramatic ending. I'm just going to let you know, we put out an edited version because it has some explicit Emotional in it. utterances. Yes. 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 In the original, you know, he's letting out that anger. Mm-hmm. And that frustration. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, he says, what are friends? What are friends for? That's pain. Deep. Yeah. Very tough stuff. Yeah. Really great, moving, touching song on kind of a lighter album. I know. Yeah. I, that's that, that's interesting that he chose to put the song on this album that sounds so happy it's, and joyous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably just timing. It's probably like when it happened when it happened. I guess so. But I mean, then he could have released it as like a single. I'm not saying he that's should true. have. But I'm just saying that that was an option. And it's interesting that he did not choose to do that. I don't know. We asked, why did we pick this song? Why is this not a big hit? Yeah. It's a fantastic song. I mean, honestly, maybe, maybe like, you know, the people that make those decisions, I could definitely hear them saying it's kind of a downer. Yeah. Maybe that's why, you maybe. know, but it's very do, real. Yeah. Downers do so good, though. You are correct. Half of my playlists are downers, but like... <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about emotion. It's just, it feels... It's it's really not good. like, it's not anything against people that want to hear... Happy music. Happy music or sad music. It's where you are. Like, you're going to look for something you can identify with. If you're sad and depressed right now, you don't want to hear those happy songs, you know, and vice versa. Yeah. People listen to music to, like, match, identify. either match their energy so they mm-hmm. can properly process it. Mm-hmm. And people listen to music so that it could, like, lift them out of... Right. People want to be moved. They want to be moved and feel emotion. Yeah. And this does it. This song. Yeah, it does. For sure. I also want to mention in the song, especially in like the verses, I don't know what mode or scale he's in, but like at first it sounds major, does it not? Mm -hmm. But then his vocal line goes into something that doesn't sound major. It, It gives a certain vibe that I feel like when you find out that someone you love is really like passed away... I feel like the songwriting kind of represents that. And I was thinking about that as we were listening, because at first you don't believe it. But then as time goes by, it starts really setting in. And then as you notice, as the song progresses, it really starts going more sad. It spirals, you know. It definitely builds also in intensity. And Mm -hmm. I think that projects his build in anger and emotion. Yeah. Interesting song. Super good song. Yeah. I think the album is worth giving a listen. I do too. Another really? one I liked uh, was the haves where he, he basically talks about the haves and have nots and, oh. and sort of goes into a political discourse about all that. There are a couple of songs 
that are like that. That's not the only one. Good and Evil, Fallout Today, The The dark. songs with the yeah. dark titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first song is called Invincible. I love that song. Yeah. That's a really good song. It's a very positive, powerful song. I'm invincible when I love people. When I'm, oh, when wow. I love. Good message. Others. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Well, that's the podcast for today. We hope it didn't bring you down too much. We realize this is like too. I know we're. We're releasing kind this on a Friday. Yeah. We're releasing this on a Friday. You're you supposed have a to be good happy. weekend, okay? Have a good weekend. All right. Don't get too sad. Please. Um, it's good music. Good oh, music. And good if music. you do get too sad, reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theunderblade. And don't forget to like that page while you're there. You can email us at hello at theunderblade.com. Don't forget to give us a rating on your podcasting platform. So whether that be, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, there's a couple others that Cast I don't... Box, yeah, Podbean, all, all those. You can also listen on our website. Yes, go to theunderplay.com and hit the episodes link. There's information about us there, too. You can see pictures of us. Oh, dear. Do you know what we look like? You don't. Mm. You don't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We love you all, and thank you. Every time we look at the stats, there's more people out there listening, and it is super exciting. We're we're excited. We're very excited. So anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Peace. crazy. Uh.